In the quiet village of St. Mary Mead, in the peaceful English countryside, the unthinkable happens, a murder. What is more, this is not just any murder. The dead man is found in the local clergyman's office, blood on the desk and a note in his atrophying hand. Did the clergyman bring an end to the life of a man he envied? Or was it one of the many country folk who openly hated the deceased? One observant spinster aims to get to the bottom of the mystery before the wrong man is hanged. <laughs> the observant old maid, Miss Marple. The book, The Murder at the Vicarage by Agatha Christie. And Gosh. you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit! This is Kari. And this is Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. Drama. Alexis, of course, as we have been doing for over three years, we start with a theme of the week, which yep. it was my responsibility to prepare for. <laughs> and this week I have a confession. I could not think of a theme in time for our recording. That's all right. I'd rather have your juicy input on the story. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. We'll skip our opening break and go right into context okay. about our author. Now, we've covered Agatha's books. I mean, so many of them already. Um, what's that one? Uh, one by One Murder. And then, and then there, there were, were none. none. <laughs> um, murder on the Orient Express. And Death on the Nile. And Death on the Nile. So this will be the fourth Agatha Christie book that it we cover. should be the fifth. We're missing one. Mm, yeah, mm. yeah. Let me think. Hmm. Okay, it'll come to us. Yeah. Oh, yes. The murder of Roger Ackroyd. That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've really squeezed out the life of Agatha. In our context section. Yeah, Did you have exactly. anything in addition to add? Well, I did want to share that this book was first published in 1930 and it's one of Aggie's most popular books. Can you believe that? No, wow. Well, yeah, I can believe well, it sure, actually. Sure. And um, I think this is the first one that includes Miss Marple, right? Yep, this As is the, the protagonist. First one. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Miss Marple came after Hercule Perot. Oh, I thought she came before. Oh, I was asking. Oh, I thought she came before. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's hmm. cool. That's good context. Glad <laughs> to know. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to our brief synopsis, spoiler free, of the murder of the vicarage. What do you, what do you got for us? Okay. Colonel Pothero. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't yeah, get me for it. that. No. I can do it. Colonel Prothero, the most despised man in St. Mary Mead, is found dead in the vicar's study. <laughs> Easily solved when people present themselves to the police as the murderer. But did they really commit the dastardly deed or are there more secrets to uncover? Now that's brilliant. <laughs> Kari, yeah. who do you think would enjoy this book? Listen. If you like these Aggie books, I know Aggie is um, aggravating, but if you can get through the problems uh, with her, uh, some of her characters, then I think you'll enjoy this. It's one of those um, books where the stakes are high. I mean, it is murder, but it feels like um, an easy reading. You know, it won't keep you up at night mm -hmm. type of book. Yeah. Um, and this is a book where you can try to solve the case. The, the clues are presented to the reader. 
as well as to the characters at the same time. So there there are no hidden clues that the characters are privy to that the user, the reader doesn't have, which always aggravates me. So this is a murder you could try to solve in real time with the characters. If you like that, you'll probably like this. And Alexis, what were your first thoughts well, about this book? As you know, I'm a true fan of Aggie, <laughs> but I've only read the one book that wasn't Parau, okay? And sure, Death on the Nile. Oh, no, I'm sorry. And then there, and were, then none. there were none. <laughs> the rest were all parole books. Mm-hmm. And if you recall from our coverage on Death of the Nile, I was tired of the many, many characters. Yeah. So I decided to switch it up. Wait, what? Stop. <laughs> Don't say anything till later. But my first thoughts, excited. <laughs> That's what I got Great. for you. Well, I think we're all set up to go into our deep dive. Splish, splash. Why don't you, Alexis, <laughs> take us into a spoiler-filled deep dive of The Murder at the Vicarage by Agatha Christie. Take it away, Alexis. Okay. Deep dive of The Murder at the Vicarage. A Miss Marple mystery. Part one, The Vicarage and Colonel Prothero. Listen. There's the vicar, and his name is Mr. Clemens. How would you... Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, a vicar is someone that, like, he's like the viceroy. Like, the king has viceroys. Well, the bishop of the church has his representative in each town, right? And that's the vicar? Yeah. Is this Catholicism, or this is the Church of England? Oh, I think it's the Church of England. Okay, I don't know. I'm just asking. And I don't know how I, but it's the Church of England. Okay. Anyway... He's an older man and he's annoyed and in love with his wife. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's really cute the way uh, Griselda is introduced. So Griselda, oh, of course, this has to be the Church of England because the vicar is married. So right, um, right, right. That's what I'm guessing. So uh, the vicar speaks about a woman named Griselda who is like the worst kind of woman. (laughs) She's very annoying. She can't keep her house clean. She doesn't cook. And, you know, he's madly in love with her. It's his wife. So uh, it's really cute the way she's introduced. Yeah. And they he married her after 24 hours of knowing her. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like half his age. She's in her 20s. She's yeah. She's 20 years younger than the vicar. Right. She's attractive. And he says incompetent and doesn't <laughs> take anything serious. And she loves Guess what? Tea and scandal. <laughs> I think she would enjoy this podcast, honestly. I like, <laughs> I like how he says she treats she treats the congregation like one big joke for her amusement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then there's the vicar's young nephew, Dennis. We don't talk much about him, but he lives there too. And then there's the housekeeper and cook. Her name is Mary, and she is looking for the next best opportunity, wouldn't you say? Everyone openly knows she's ready to move on in her career, <laughs> and this is just a holding spot for her. That's so she doesn't. Right. She's not trying to excel at this job, okay? The food is always cold, which made me think of you because I know you hate when hot food is cold. I hate it, and people tell you it's hot, and you like, but I'm eating it, and I know it's not hot. So that would be <laughs> Mary's food, and she slams the place down in front of people. It don't smell good and she don't care. How is anybody else doing for these Listen, wages? What about that time when Miss uh, Marple was like, what is what is this? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that happened in the book. So they're all having lunch. And while brandishing a carving knife, the vicar says anyone who murders Colonel Prothero will be doing the world a large favor. <gasps> Why would the vicar say that? <laughs> 
Yeah, what kind of clergyman? Yeah, so he, everybody hates, but it's fine because everyone openly hates Prothero. He's a not good man. Right. Yeah. Well, the reason he made that particular statement was that at one service, the announcement was made that they had collected less than a penny from the collection bag. Mm -hmm. Okay. But one parishioner was sure that she had contributed a whole dollar. Okay. For the time, (laughs) remember, it's the 30. So this is a lot for her. It's still not a lot. And it was the anniversary (laughs) of her son's death. And so she knew that regularly she contributed at this time. So she told the vicar, listen, you know, I know I put money in there and the numbers that y'all announcing are not flushing. Mm -hmm. So he made light about it. He said, you know, you do get older. And, you know, get forgetful. But his implication was that she forgot that she didn't contribute. Not that he forgot how much was contributed. Yeah. It's very insulting. Blew her off. So she went right to the church warden <laughs> and told him. And guess who the church warden is? Yeah, Prothero. That's Colonel right. Prothero. And Prothero is a wealthy church warden, as we mentioned. And he is a bit hard of hearing. So Everything he says is yelled. (laughs) He's described as a pompous old brute. He likes to make a fuss over everything. His wife and daughter don't even like him. Mm -mm. The daughter has said, if only he would be decent and die, then then I'll be all right. And everyone was shocked. And she was like, well, if he doesn't want me to want him to die, he should be nicer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, she got a point there. <laughs> Strong point. <laughs> so quite a few of the townspeople don't like him either. He's stupid. He gets everything wrong. That was a quote from Miss Marple. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he told the parishioner that he would look into it. And he told the vicar, Mr. Clemens, that he would go over all the church accounts in case that there was any embezzling going on. Mm -hmm. So that was a threat. He was letting the vicar know, if you're stealing money, I'm going to find out. And he says these things loudly so Mm -hmm. everybody hears them. Mm -hmm. That's bound to make you feel a little uncomfortable. (laughs) So, as we said, the vicar took that personally. However, the curate was Mr. Hawes, and he's just... um, a lower priest, maybe? Yeah, they're like clo- co-clergy in this church. But the vicar seems to be a little higher up yeah. in the hierarchy, I guess. Yeah. yeah, so Hall is an under under clergyman. Yeah, <laughs> and so he was told to gather all the books together and share them with Colonel Prothero so he can go over. And then Colonel said loud and clear, remember, for everybody to hear, I'll be at your house at this time this date mm-hmm. which is a couple of days away and I think it was like five o'clock so let me take a break let's take a break from that and describe the property of the vicarage and what's near it on the property of the vicarage is a small studio right and that's used by Lawrence Redding yeah who's this like traveling uh bohemian but well-dressed Upper class artist mm-hmm. type. He does a little acting. He does a little Casanova ing. Mm-hmm. He does a little painting. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. And he's handsome, right? Of he's course. Casanova. He's got the personality. All the ladies think highly of him. Mm-hmm. What does he paint, you ask? Some risque shots. <laughs> okay. Only if you ask him to. <laughs> Otherwise, he does very decent, like portraits. Well, 
He's painting <laughs> Colonel Prothero's teenage daughter in her bathing bathing dress. dress. Yes. Modern language, everybody. Bathing suit. (laughs) (laughs) And Colonel Prothero is not at all pleased. In fact, he told Lawrence, don't you ever come to my house. I don't know that that was a problem, but apparently (laughs) it was. He said, don't ever come to my house again. Mm -hmm. That puts him on the outing. Anyway, Lawrence is also painting the vicar's wife. And Griselda suggested to the women as she was having a little tea and scandal (laughs) that Lawrence was painting a new picture of her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all gossiping around the tea and they're like, can you believe uh, Lettuce, the um, uh, Prothero's whatever daughter who was getting painted in her bathing suit? And Griselda's like, well, he's painting me nude. (laughs) And Miss Martha right away is like, oh, Griselda, you're so silly. But everyone else is like, Oh my goodness, she's married. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> what a anyway, loose woman. Exactly. There's mm-hmm. a footpath at the back of the vicarage, and it's actually next door to Miss Marple's house. And members of the community use it quite regularly. Regularly. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about Miss Marple. Mm-hmm. We are being introduced to her here, and I feel proud to know her. She is a spinster, white-haired old lady with a gentle, appealing manner. Miss Marple is observant Mm -hmm. and knows human behavior. She's very intelligent. Mm -hmm. People in the village know that when she speaks on the subject, she's usually correct. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about Prothero's wife. Okay. Anne. Anne, yes. She's described as a handsome woman in an unusual style. Mm -hmm. And of course, she's been married to the colonel for about five years there. The relationship between her and the daughter, the stepmom, daughter, stepdaughter. Yes. Very icy. We didn't talk about it, but the first wife up and left. Yes. And no one knows why, but they all agree she was probably right. (laughs) So they're like, yeah, Lettuce's mama just left one day. You know, poor thing. Makes sense, yeah. though, right? Mm-hmm. Married to him. And then he married Anne. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, Latisse, she at one time believed her mom was dead. Mm-hmm. And that's because her father told her so. Yeah. Now, what kind of. OK. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> the belief is that she left for another man, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scandal in Scandal. the street. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to part two. Caught. <laughs> One evening, the vicar has just completed vicaring with a woman (laughs) named Lestrange. Mm -hmm. And she was strange. (laughs) Well, really, she just had a she's a private person. She keeps to herself and she's new to the St. Mary Mead area. But she hasn't told her story and everybody wants to know what it is. Yeah, there's mystery surrounding her. She's also attractive in a very stoic way. Mm -hmm. But there's something about her. As soon as you see her, you don't trust her. Yeah. Anyway, when the vicar leaves her house, he decides he wants to avoid being seen by Miss Marple (laughs) to avoid questions. And so he decides to pop in and see Lawrence's studio. And lo and behold, what does he find, Kari? Yeah, he finds um, Lawrence wrapped up in a passionate kiss with another man's wife. Not his. And (laughs) Prof. Thoreau's uh, wife. Yeah, stunned. He has back out 
Like literally, he like <laughs> backs, backs out, out. <laughs> and goes to his study. Mrs. Prothero shows up not Knocks too short long later. Mm-hmm. Tells the vicar they are in love and they cannot live without each other. He said, you know how many people have been saying this in your situation? <laughs> it's not new, ma'am. It's not new. It's Do you have anything new. else? Pick something else. <laughs> you not going to tell on me, are you? Yeah, she said, I got something else. You going to tell my husband? He said, there must be an understanding that clergymen cannot be gentlemen. Let me disabuse you of this notion. No, I'm not going to tell your husband. I don't even like your husband. Just leave me out of it. Just leave me out of it. (laughs) The next evening, though, Lawrence stops by the Vickers and tells him that he's going to leave town and leave Mrs. Prothero to her husband. It is the correct thing to do. Mm -hmm. And the Vicar suggests that is the best idea and commends him for his decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Part three, (laughs) the evening of the murder. The Vicar received a call from a woman to go for to go care for her husband, to go vicar to her husband. <laughs> it sounded like read him his last rights or something. Yeah, like he something only like got that. seconds to live. Yeah, Come he's over. on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. So he goes, but he he also has that appointment with Colonel Prothero. Oh, so, yeah, because Prothero wants to see the books. Yeah. So he sent a message. Well, I think at this point, Prothero has already seen the books. So he's coming to report on the book. Mm. And of course, there's that thing in the air about embezzlement. So. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let me get this over with. Mm -hmm. But he's like, okay, I'm gonna just go and do that and I'll be right back. So he sends that message through his housekeeper, Mary, you know, the one who's, you know, just hanging on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that she he would be late for Colonel Prothero and if he would wait for him. Then he heads off to the dying parishioner. To his dismay, (laughs) he get there and everybody living, like, why are you here? He's like, I'm here to read your husband his last rites. And he's like, excuse me? I'm right here living. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on? Everybody's shocked. And the wife's (laughs) like, I did not make that call. No. He's like, "Hmm." get out of my house if you don't mind. Excuse me. (laughs) The vicar returns home. And guess who he sees? The painter. Lawrence. Yeah. Lawrence Mm -hmm. is coming out of the vicar. The vicarage. Mm Mm-hmm. In the vicar's estimation, Lawrence looked like he had been drinking, like he was stressed. Maybe that he might be on the verge of going nuts or something, going crazy, going (laughs) mad. I was nearer seven than half past six when I approached the vicarage gate on my return. Before I reached it, it swung open and Lawrence Redding came out. He stopped dead on seeing me and I was immediately struck by his appearance. He looked like a man who was on the point of going mad. His eyes stared in a peculiar manner. He was deathly white and he was shaking and twitching all over. I wondered for a moment whether he could have been drinking, but repudiated the idea immediately. Hello, I said. Have you been to see me again? Sorry, I was out. Uh, Come back now. I've got to see Prothero about some accounts, but I dare say we shan't be long. Prothero, he said. He began to laugh. Prothero, you're going to see Prothero. Oh, you'll see Prothero all right. Oh my God, yes. I stared. Instinctively, I stretched out a hand toward him. He drew sharply aside. No, he almost cried out. I've got to get away to think. I've, I've got to think. I must, I must think. 
He broke into a run and vanished rapidly down the road toward the village, leaving me staring after him, my first idea of drunkenness recurring. Finally, I shook my head and went on to the vicarage. The front door is always left open, but nevertheless, I rang the bell. Mary came, wiping her hands on her apron. So you're back, at least, she observed. Is Colonel Prothero here? I asked. In the study. Been here since a quarter past six. And Mr. Redding been here? Come a few minutes ago. Asked for you. I told him you'd be back at any minute and that Colonel Prothero was waiting in the study and he said he'd wait too and went there. He's there now. No, he isn't, I said. I've just met him going down the road. Well, I didn't hear him leave. He can't have stayed more than a couple of minutes. The mistress isn't back from town yet. I nodded absentmindedly. Mary beat a retreat to the kitchen quarters and I went down the passage and opened the study door. After the dusk of the passage, the evening sunshine that was pouring into the room made my eyes blink. I took a step or two across the floor, then stopped, dead. For a moment, I could hardly take in the meaning of the scene before me. Colonel Prothero was lying sprawled across my writing table in a horrible, unnatural position. There was a pool of some dark fluid on the desk by his head, and it was slowly dripping onto the floor with a horrible drip, drip, drip. I pulled myself together and went across to him. His skin was cold to the touch. The hand that I raised fell back lifeless. The man was dead, shot through the head. The doctor comes, confirms the colonel is dead. <laughs> Wait, that was wild to me because the doctor's like, he is dead. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Y'all, it's blood everywhere. It's He's laying awkwardly on the desk. The man is obviously dead. Mm -hmm. And then um, the vicar is like, perhaps suicide. <laughs> right. And the doctor's like, you see how this uh, head injury is? This isn't something you do to yourself. Yeah. And, the, and where's the gun? Yeah. Okay, where's the gun? That doesn't make sense. So they call the inspector. The inspector arrives and they identify that there's a note that Colonel Prothero was writing saying that he couldn't wait for the vicar any longer. And the note had the time on it that says 620. And actually, there's a clock that had fallen at the exact time of Prothero's death. And it says 622. The doctor says the colonel has been dead at least 30 minutes, bringing the time of death to about 622 exactly. So this is like real easy. Mm -hmm. Information is flowing to them. They going, all they need to know is who did it and why. Mm -hmm. They got the how. How long? And everything else associated with that. And since the beginning of time, inspectors, detectives, and officers have loved to wrap up a case. <laughs> True. So this inspector is not looking for auxiliary information. Everything seems to be as it should be to lead to the conclusion that it needs to lead to. Exactly. The housekeeper, Mary, who was in the house at the time of the murder, heard no gunshot. But he had a gunshot to his head. Mm-hmm. So, Carl, who do you think did it at this point? Well, at this point, I think Lawrence, because he was leaving the house. I also suspect the vicar because, Ooh. I mean, I don't see how, but it's in his house that the man is killed on his desk. Maybe he's lying to the reader. 
And we've experienced that before, right? like the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's either the vicar or Lawrence, the painter. What about you? Who do you think did it? Um, Latisse. Mm, The daughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Part four, confessions. So these are they confessions. Okay. (laughs) Just when I said all I can say, I can say something. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) guess who was the first to confess, Kari? Guess. Lawrence. You're right. You're right. You're right. He said, I did it. The colonel and I had gotten into an argument and I angrily shot him. He said, it's a crime of passion. And he used the gun that he always had. Um, He carries it with him all the time, even when he go to the vicarage. Mm-hmm. Just he just like to have his gun on him, you know, mm-hmm. Wild Wild West style. Right. But in England. Also, he leaves it out openly in his little studio. And then the inspector's like, OK, well, where did you shoot him? And Lawrence is like, well, in the vicar's study, of course. And the inspector's <laughs> like, no, where on his body did he did you shoot him? And Lawrence is like, uh, the fatal parts. <laughs> OK, the parts where you die at. <laughs> Duh. You saw it. It's that if you already have the information, why are you why asking you me questions? Me? <laughs> I did it. Next. I had said I did it. And everyone's like, mm, OK, well. And who confesses after him? And hmm. the stepwife. The stepwife. <laughs> she said <laughs> she shot him because she hated him and she was very unhappy. Yeah. And everyone's like, that checks. But mm, the timing is weird for both of you guys. It is. Why y'all doing this? Mm-hmm. But they don't really think that. Who actually suggests that the is timing it Ms. is off? Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah. The ever present, ever knowing Mrs. Marple, (laughs) Miss Marple. Okay. Anyway, so the next morning, Miss Marple arrives. And if you recall, she lives next door. So she knows commotion. (laughs) She she didn't hear a shot, but she knows commotion. News had hit the neighborhood circuit. Mm -hmm. The vicar informs Miss Marple that there's been an arrest. Oh, oh, really? (laughs) Who, who, who was arrested? Lawrence. Lawrence was arrested. The vicar explains Lawrence's state of being from the prior evening. And Miss Marple says, well, that don't make sense. If somebody mm-hmm. had decided to take another person's life um, to be a, to appear distraught after, that don't make sense. Mm-mm. Does that make sense to you? No, you would try to act as calm as possible so as to um, not lead anyone to suspect you. But for him to be, oh, yeah, you'll see him. Oh. It's like, Miss mm. Marple is like, well, I'm going to deduce that maybe he didn't do it. <laughs> the victor <laughs> then explains to Miss Marple that Miss Prothero also confessed. Now she's like, oh, of course. Yeah, I see now. Yeah, she's like, that don't make no sense. OK, nothing. Miss mm-hmm. Prothero says she had a gun when she went over to shoot the colonel because she knew he was there but miss marple she shuts that confession down by saying what she's like she came to talk to me before she went in there she like made sure that i saw her we had a conversation because remember i live next door she was going into the studio and she didn't have a bag with her so she didn't have any place to put a gun and the inspector's like well maybe she had it on her person and Miss Marple is like, do you see how young women dress these days? <laughs> OK, they go out with nothing but what God gave them. So if she had a gun, we would have saw it. That's what Miss Marple said. Mm-hmm. So because Miss Marple's known ability to be observant and reliable, 
the cheating couple is off the hook. <laughs> it's just simply not possible for them to have committed the crime. Yeah, the time doesn't really add up to the time that they have suspected the um, deceased was murdered. And where's the weapon? Like, where would you have had the weapon? Yeah, where was she? Because Lawrence didn't have a weapon when he ran into the vicar and and didn't have a weapon when she was talking to Miss Marple. So um, they're off the hook. Mm-hmm. So who at this point do you think did it? Um, at this point, I am thinking it's the vicar. <laughs> oh, you still want him yeah. to be dirty? Yeah. Oh, that's that lying narrator. Got it. Got it. <laughs> okay, so let's talk part five, clues and possible suspects. Okay, so who is a possible suspect, Kari? Yeah, everyone. So Miss Marple says that there are seven possible suspects and she does go through them at the end. We can already tell you um, it's the vicar. It's his wife, Graziella. It's the stepdaughter who openly was like, I wish my dad would just die already. Her name is Lettuce. Um, Then, of course, it's Anne. But Anne is off the hook. That's the stepwife. And then it's basically everyone else in town. Yeah, there's that Miss Lestrange. Even she's off the hook because she had a meeting with Colonel Propthrow. And the housekeeper said it wasn't peaceful. Okay, there was some drama with that. And Miss Lestrange won't tell anything about what happened Mm -mm. with that conversation. No, the inspector asked her outright and she was like, that business is mine. So mine, yours. Mm -hmm. That's what she had said. Mm -hmm. So then what about some other clues that are hanging out there? There's that note. What happened with the note, Kari? The 620? Yeah. So um, the thing is, whoever wrote that time, it seems was trying to guess. So first of all, two things. It seems that uh, in the end, we find out Mr. Prothero, Colonel Prothero did not write that note at all. Also on the note, there are two different types of handwriting. So the idea was to be that first Prothero wrote was starting to write the note. Then his murderer finished the note so as to throw off suspicion about the time of death. However, the clock that um, he died on basically is always kept ahead because the victor vicar is really bad about punctuality. Um, so they're like, maybe the murderer didn't know that. So we can't really trust the time. In the end, Colonel Prothero didn't even write that note. You can throw that note out. Oh, clue cross out. OK, <laughs> how about the gun? The gun used in the murder belongs to Lawrence and he says he keeps his gun out everyone knows where it is everybody knows where it is everybody can come get it Mm -hmm. still leaving us with everybody as a possibility there's the phone call what about the phone call Kari the phone call that called the vicar away from the house yeah I actually don't remember what what just in time for him to be gone yeah yeah so it was a setup because obviously the vicar went to the house and no one's dying but yeah, who did that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the fact that no one heard the shot? That's a big deal because a big if a deal. man was shot in the house, especially Mary, she ain't got nothing to do. It ain't like she cooking or cleaning. <laughs> she would have heard the shot. <laughs> and she is adamant that there was no shot in this house. I would have heard it. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. That's what she has said. Am I missing any other? Are we missing any other clues to talk about? Yeah, a few, but that's okay. Okay. So they're <laughs> not important. No. All right. I love that. So. What the facts show, part six, schedule of events. Mm -hmm. So when they go through the facts with the inspector, um, 
with the vicarage because he's all involved in this investigation. Right, that's it was at his house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's every part of this. That's why I'm concerned. Why would we accuse him? <laughs> it looks good, but that's too easy to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's go through this schedule. Okay. At 12.30 p.m., Colonel Prothero alters his appointment from 6 to 6.15. His appointment with the vicar. His appointment with the vicar. Okay. And everybody in the village heard that. <laughs> At 12.45, the pistol was last seen in its proper place. In the studio. In the studio. At 5.30, approximately, Colonel and Mrs. Prothero leave Old Hall for the village in a car. At 5.30, also, a fake call is put through to the vicar from the old hall to the vicar. I said mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. And then at 16, 6.15, about a minute or two later, Colonel Prothero arrives at the vicarage and is shown into the study by the housekeeper, Mary. 6.20, Miss Prothero comes back, uses that back row that mm-hmm. I mentioned, and goes to the study window. Colonel Prothero, Colonel Prothero cannot be seen from that angle. Right, because she didn't even know if he was in there. Right. At 629, he was, though. <laughs> she just wasn't looking in the right angle. At 630 to 635, a shot is heard. Hey, so all this is already happening. And given that the times are correct, there's a shot that is heard. In the woods. In the woods. Yes. Yeah. And then at 645, Lawrence arrives at the vicarage and finds the body. Mm -hmm. So what we learn is that Lawrence came and he saw the body. But that's it. Mm -hmm. At 648. Which is why he was a little rattled. Yes. Mm -hmm. At 648, the vicar runs into Lawrence. And then at 649, the vicar actually discovers the body. And at 655. The doctor examines the body. So that is the schedule of events. Mm-hmm. Are we ready for the truth? Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That fast? Uh-huh. Shall we include something else of import? No, go ahead. I love it. All right. <laughs> well, I think the vicar had received some letters. Is that right? He got a note a few. Mm-hmm. that leads him to the home of the seldom mentioned Mr. Hawes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is odd. So he goes and he's with the police inspector and they arrive at the home and they find Mr. Hawes on his deathbed. Okay, let me pause right here because some interesting facts have come out through these letters. Okay. Um, so first of all, the letters are suggesting suspicion on different members of society. <laughs> and um, one letter he does pay attention to Um, Because it tells him that Graziella, his wife, was seen exiting the window of the studio. So she was sneaking around with the painter, it seems. And the thought comes into his head that maybe uh, the painter was going to like tell on her. And so she killed him. And he's like, but not, I mean, Graziella, not my Griselda. Um, And so it's Griselda. And so... um, So that's an idea. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe he did know that Griselda was sneaking around with Lawrence. And so that's why the vicar killed um, Prothero. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at this point, having heard this schedule event, Mm -hmm. you're still feeling like the narrator, the vicar, 
is we, lying to we us. Find, we find out a little late about Gra- Griselda and Lauren. So, yeah, that's enough to me to put the um, s- s- to make me suspect the vicar again. Um, we then have Lettuce, who is like a kind of a stupid little girl, but she's probably like 16 also. Um, but she tried to pin evidence on her stepmother. It does not work out. Right. Um, but she's also like a bad actress. And so, I mean, she could have did it. Her motive's not very strong. Anyway. She wants her money. Yeah, she wants money, money so she can motive. be free from that town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and then um Miss Marple has this writer nephew that comes to town and everyone has dinner with him. And he has his own theories. Um, he's like, Well, it's obvious who did it. And everyone's like, Who? He's like, the vicar. It was in <laughs> your house and the vicar's at the table. He's like, the it was in your house. And the vicar's like, well, what was my motive? He was like, that's easy. Jealousy. Because this man was free to do what he want. And you're so confined right. by your moral restraints that day after day, you developed a hatred in your heart, which you would deny even acknowledging because it's unchristian. And Oop. so one day you just killed him. Oop. And then um, Miss Marvel is like, you did say you wanted him dead. And then the nephew is like, that's a shame, because if you really had killed him, your subconscious would have never allowed you to admit that you wanted him dead before the murder. Mm -hmm. So you're off the hook. Um, So there's a lot of uh, suspicion being thrown on characters throughout. But yes, in this scene, um, the vicar is led to Mr. Hall's house, the other clergyman, the co-clergyman. And we find he is nearly dead. Yeah. Thank you. So <laughs> when he and the inspector find him on his near bed, mm-hmm. they also see a note. Another note. Implicating who? Himself. Yeah. In the crime. He's like, I have to confess. I've been stealing the church funds. Mm-hmm. Something like that. <laughs> That's connecting him to the murder, right? Yeah. I don't think the letter said I've been stealing the church right. funds. It just said I must confess. Yes, exactly. Um, And it appears Mr. Hawes has attempted to take his own life to cover up for his crimes. Yeah, drug overdose. Mm -hmm. Embezzlement and murder. Mm -hmm. But guess who pops up? (laughs) Mrs. Marple. (laughs) But before Mrs. Marple um, pops up, the inspector is like, "Uh uh-uh. Somebody going to hang for this murder. Mm -hmm. And so doctor, fix him. Yeah. So the doctor is called to heal uh, Hall, who is nearly dead, but not quite. And the doctor does his job. He brings Hall back from the grips of death. From the grips of death so he can be hung properly. (laughs) And the doctor is like, I really like Hall. So, I mean, I don't really want to do this, but a doctor has to save people. So I'll save him for the gallows. Yeah. For the gallows. <laughs> anyway, Mrs. Mar- Miss Marple arrives and she tells the vicar, you know what? I think he was set up. Mm-hmm. You know who the real murderers are? And what did she say, Kari? Lawrence and Anne. What? The two who originally turned themselves in. Ooh, the perfect crime. Not. Because <laughs> Miss Marple is on the case. That's right. This is my own explanation of the facts. By Thursday afternoon, the crime had been fully planned down to the smallest detail. Lawrence Redding first called on the vicar, knowing him to be out. 
He had with him the pistol which he concealed in that pot in the stand by the window. When the vicar came in, Lawrence explained his visit by a statement that he had made up his mind to go away. At 5.30, Lawrence Redding telephoned from the North Lodge to the vicar, adopting a woman's voice. You remember what a good amateur actor he was. Miss Prothero and her husband had just started for the village and a very curious thing, though no one happened to think of it that way. Mrs. Prothero took no handbag with her. Really a most unusual thing for a woman to do. Just before 20 past six, she passed my garden and stops and speaks so as to give me every opportunity of noticing that she has no weapon with her and also that she is quite her normal self. They realized, you see, that I am a noticing kind of person. She disappears around the corner of the house to the study window. The poor colonel is sitting at the desk writing his letter to you. He is deaf, as we all know. She takes the pistol from the bowl where it is waiting for her, comes up behind him and shoots him through the head, throws down the pistol and is out again like a flash and going down the garden to the studio. Nearly anyone would swear that there couldn't have been time. But the shot, objected the colonel. You didn't hear the shot. There is, I believe, the invention called a Maxim silencer. So I gather from detective stories. I wonder if possibly the sneeze that the maid, Clara, heard might have actually been the shot. But no matter. Mrs. Pothero is met at the studio by Mr. Redding. They go in together. And human nature being what it is, I'm afraid they realize that I shan't leave the garden till they come out again. I had never liked Miss Marple better than at that moment with her humorous perception of her own weakness. When they do come out, their demeanor is gay and natural. And there, in reality, they made a mistake. Because if they had really said goodbye to each other as they pretended, they would have looked very different. But you see, that was their weak point. They simply dare not appear upset in any way. For the next 10 minutes, they are careful to provide themselves with what is called an alibi, I believe. Finally, Mr. Redding goes to the vicarage, leaving it as late as he dares. He probably saw you on the footpath from far away and was able to time matters nicely. He picked up the pistol and the silencer, leaves the forged letter with the time on it written in a different ink and apparently in a different handwriting. When the forgery is discovered, it will look like a clumsy attempt to incriminate Anne Prothero. But when he leaves the letter, he finds the one actually written by Colonel Prothero, something quite unexpected. And being a very intelligent young man and seeing that this letter may come in very useful to him, he takes it away with him. He alters the hands of the clock to the same time as the letter, knowing that it is always kept a quarter of an hour fast. The same idea, attempt to throw suspicion on Mrs. Prothero. Then he leaves, meeting you outside the gate and acting the part of someone nearly distraught. As I say, he is really most intelligent. What would a murderer who had committed a crime try to do? Behave naturally, of course. So that is just what Mr. Redding does not do. He gets rid of the silencer, but marches into the police station with the pistol and makes a perfectly ridiculous self-accusation, which takes everybody in. The evening um, when Lawrence went to tell the vicar that he was leaving town, he actually had the gun with him that day mm. and he put that gun in a pot in a stand 
by the window in the study. Then at 5.30, Lawrence, using a woman's voice, remember he (laughs) has acting chops. That's right. (laughs) Made the call to get the vicar away from the house. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mrs. Prothero went to the village with her husband. We talked about that and she didn't have no handbag, no purse. That's odd. Women don't leave without their purse, Mm -hmm. right? And then at just before 20 past six, she passes Miss Marple Garden. Making sure that Miss Marple saw her because she knows Miss Marple is the nosy body of the town. So she's yes. like, mm-hmm. And Mrs. Marple sees her. There's no way she could possibly have a weapon. So after Miss Mar- Mrs. Prothero leaves Miss Marple, she heads to the study, of course, knowing that her husband is there. And then along, she grabs that gun. When she makes it to the window of the study, shoots her husband. Puts a silencer on it. In the back of the head. Yeah. And Miss Marple believes a silencer was used, which is an invention, according to the detective story she's been reading. (laughs) She then throws it down to which Lawrence is left um, to pick it up. Mm -hmm. He returns later to pick it up. And when he leaves... I think that's when he was in that frantic state, right? Right. Um, but that was a, a, a ruse. So it's interesting that Mary, the maid, did not hear a gunshot, but she heard a loud sneeze or cough. Mm-hmm. That was Anne trying to cover up the sound of the muffled gunshot. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so there you have the crime. Mm-hmm. Any more details to include? I mean, um, the confession note that Hall was writing was really just for the embezzlement of the funds from the church. Uh, Yeah. And it's exactly what you thought it'd be. Uh, Lawrence wants to run away with Anne, but he would never run away with a penniless woman. So he wants Anne to have her inheritance from her dead husband first. And Anne's like, cool, I want that, too. (laughs) So... Yeah, they kill their husband. And uh, yeah. And it's interesting when the doctor gets back to Hall's home and hears the theory. He's like, oh, well, let's catch the murderer because (laughs) I uh, didn't want Hall to die. But knowing that Lawrence tried to frame Hall and Hall has a mother and a sister. Imagine them being known as the mother and sister of a murderer for the rest of their lives. We got to get Lawrence and make sure he's hanged. Oh, and to sure. Whatever. (laughs) Hang everybody. Yeah. Everybody involved, let them go down, be held accountable for their actions, right? Mm -hmm. And strange, or strange, as I like to read (laughs) and imagine Grace Jones, um, she is actually the mother of Latisse Prothero's ex-wife. Yes. And the argument they had was her desiring to see her daughter and Prothero saying she forfeit all her rights when she left him. And so she's like, well, I'll just go form a relationship with my daughter on my own. And she did. And she's dying. So Lettuce is going to spend the final years of Strange's life with her. (laughs) And that's it. And that's the book. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Okay, let's do it. Welcome back. Welcome. 
So Kari, what's your final verdict and would you recommend this book? So from the first line, this book is a delight to read. Um, I listened to this book. We both listened to different audio versions, but also reading it, uh, whatever you choose to do, it is captivating from the first word. In a very, the, the way words are put together, the way conversations are formed, very entertaining, very um, just intelligent in the conversation. It reminds me of the good writing of the like 90s sitcoms, like Golden Girls and all that, where there are one liners, Uh one after another, where everyone's making fun of each other slyly through their words. And sometimes they pick up on it, sometimes they don't. But the reader always notices. It's very good, very well done, as is typical with Agatha. And this book, at the end, I really didn't care who did it. I was having so much fun with the characters and I didn't want the book to end. Um, So... At the end, the the focus for me wasn't on finding the murderer. It was just enjoying the good time had through the book. So I would highly recommend it. Um, it. It would be a great book just to read on a quiet afternoon with some tea and relax. Yep. Yep. Highly recommend it. What about you? What do you think of this book? OK, so, you know, I, I was just trying to leave that many characters of the Agatha Christie book. <laughs> You were trying to escape the yeah overdose of characters. Why? Why didn't the readers tell me? Because somebody <laughs> read this book before, huh? Why, huh? Hmm? What's the answer? Why didn't anybody tell me there were just as many characters in this book? I'm hold you accountable. Putting that aside, I was thoroughly entertained by this book. I forgot about all the extra characters mm-hmm. because it seemed they while they didn't all have a purpose, they contributed in a way that was distracting enough to me and entertaining mm-hmm. enough to me that I didn't mind it. Um, I love a book when I can laugh at the character's snide and sarcastic mar- remarks. And this book has it yeah. all. It's just the little quips in here are just so funny. I was just entertained from beginning to end, as Kari said, and I would definitely recommend this book. I enjoyed read it, it very again. much. Would you I read, read it? it again. I would definitely read it again. I would even add it to my um, book collection, even though I don't have any space anymore for a book collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for recommending Murder on the Vicarage. Alexis, what are we reading next week? I think there's a holiday. So we'll be on a relit episode. Right. Which episode are we relighting next week? Let's think about okay, that. Okay, we'll think about it. We'll bring you one of our favorite episodes from the past two and a half seasons next week as we will be taking another well-deserved break. So thank you all for listening to Lit Society. We'll see you next Thursday for a relit episode and I will publish an updated reading schedule this week. So by the time you're listening to this episode, you, you can visit litsocietypod.com and um, see what we're reading in future weeks so you can read along with us if so you choose. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Sanaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for five our stars. show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love you too. We love y'all. If you've enjoyed what you've just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletters. And until next time, read something.